Welcome to Main Street Banking, a podcast for community bankers brought to you by the Barrett School of Banking and ICBA Securities. My name is Byron Earnhardt, and I'm the Programming Director at Barrett. It is our mission here to serve the community banking industry with information that is informative, relevant, and hopefully we'll have a little fun along the way. So, from Memphis, Tennessee, home of banking, blues, and barbecue, welcome to our little corner of the community banking world. And we hope that we can make your bank, your staff, or maybe just even your day a better one. Okay, everybody, welcome back to the Main Street Banking Podcast. We have got part two of our conversation uh, with Joe Beard today. Joe Beard's the CEO of Collateral Edge. Uh, I think you have already been hooked at at the depth of his wisdom and insight into our industry as well as corporate culture. So I'm excited about part two. But before we get going, Joe, welcome back to the show. Tell us a little bit about yourself. I'm sure we've got some new audience members. Tell us a little bit about yourself and about Collateral Edge. Sure. Uh, I'm Joe Beard, the CEO of Collateral Edge. Thank you for having me back on. Um, So in terms of background, I'm an Army brat. I've kind of lived all over the world. I grew up with a dad that spent 20 years in the service. Went in the service myself after West Point before launching into some time in Silicon Valley in the investment banking world. I've spent probably the last 14 years in finance between investment banking and venture capital. And I launched Collateral Edge with my partner, Joel Radke, just about a year ago. And so what we set out to solve, we work with community banks, those are our customers. And so we help community banks to increase their lending capacity without compromising their credit quality. And so what we do is we put collateral behind the bank to help them solve for short-term discomfort around their lending limits in the middle market. And that's traditionally, you know, loans, term loans that are sub $20 million. And we just try to create a more efficient, lower cost transaction for their borrower, but help that bank to win a great long-term customer. And for those that are, um, that have not caught part one, um, Joe, go, Joe goes into, in part one there, a really good discussion of how that can impact your customer, uh, pick up uh, business and do some social good, particularly in low to moderate income areas. And let's face it, all us lenders that have heard this have uh, worked with those customers and had a hard time finding a structure that would fit. Think about changing your collateral and proving, quote unquote, the collateral uh, to open your structure possibilities. You see where this goes. And that's why I brought Joe on. And plus, he's, as I called him in the first episode, he's a true believer like we are and, uh, in, in education, finding the right people, uh, working to, to do to change the world through banking and through, through lending. So uh, you'll find out more about that. Joe, and some of your material that you had, I love, even as a banking educator, and teacher in, in a business school. Um, let's get real, you say. What, what they don't teach you in business school about starting a business. So I'm actually in the middle of tweaking my banking curriculum here at Christian Brothers University. So what do we need to know? What do they teach us in business school that business owners need to know? You know, uh, it, it's interesting. I, I, went to, I was fortunate to go to Columbia Business School and had great professors, learned a lot about strategy and marketing mm-hmm. and investment banking and and leadership and everything else. But um, what they don't teach you and what I learned probably in venture capital number one is that 
being a founder of an early stage startup can be a very lonely place. Mm-hmm. It's one thing when you have a lot of classmates around and a lot of ideas around and you know things to bounce off of people. But when you're a founder, it can be a very lonely place. And so you have to be able to navigate when there's no applause, right? When there's no one patting you on the back, when it's really, really difficult and you can only count on yourself or your partner to get something done. That's a very difficult place. And that's, you know, that's not the, you know, tech $1 billion unicorn story that you hear. You don't hear about the loneliness of being an entrepreneur and being able to navigate that. And so for me, I I recognize that being an entrepreneur is not for everybody. Um, The other thing that I would say is, you know, just through my experience and even my own personal experience as CEO, you know, organizational leadership in an early stage company is really, really hard. I mean, I'm a West Point grad. I had 85 people in my company when I was 25 years old that I was responsible for. Organizational leadership is still hard for me. And, and that's because you're, you're thinking tactically on a day-to-day basis on how to manage capital and how to satisfy a customer and how to build product and how to you know, incorporate technology. But at the same time, you're, you're hiring people and you need to train people, and then you just set expectations and set conditions for people to succeed. And so if you're not doing all those things, you can't leverage people. And in an early stage company, one plus one has to equal four. You can't do that if you're not maximizing productivity within your team. And so organizational leadership, I, I think is probably one of the most challenging things of an early stage company. And you don't hear a lot about that. All you see is the hey, you take on capital, you sell product, you're a unicorn, you IPO, and that's the story. But I think organizational leadership is probably one of the biggest challenges out there. Yeah, I agree. Um, and I'm glad you, I thank you for sharing that about having 85 soldiers under your under your care and under your command and still struggling with that, because I know that's a, that, that, that takes a lot of vulnerability to, to, to say that. And I, I can imagine that there are quite a few bank executives that feel similarly, although not, not with the same pressures, but the, there's definitely some, you know, how to manage this org chart is how to manage yeah. this gets ugly sometimes. Yeah, absolutely. And I appreciate you sharing that. Um, I, I like, too, what you said, the... Uh, <laughs> You will spend more time on legal accounting and insurance than you can possibly imagine. I imagine you're like me; you don't do you don't like a whole lot of paperwork, and that, uh, that's the boring part of it. <laughs> and I like that. I like that. Uh, another point that I've, I've I've seen from you that I really like was you call it that your first ten hires approaches to team building when each one can make or break the business. And you had mentioned the team building and hiring the the right people. Um, we find in our world, in community banking world, that sometimes the bench and the talent, the, the, the employee pool is, is, is thin. So how, you know, what's your advice around building that team, your first 10 hires? You know, how, how, do, you, how do you approach that? You know, I, I think it all starts with first being very self-aware, mm-hmm. right? You, you really have to understand who you are as a person how you communicate, what your strengths and weaknesses are. Because if you can't do that, it becomes very difficult to build Mm. a team around you. 
Um, I, I was fortunate to grow up with a dad that was special forces for 20 years. And so I, I grew up with very thick skin, right? I can take criticism. I can take feedback. I don't have to have the best idea. And so for me, when it comes to hiring, I'm hiring people that can bring those things to the table, right? I'm hiring people that can bring better ideas to the room. I'm hiring people that can challenge me on my way of thinking that aren't gonna just say yes because I'm the person in charge that's maybe you know, making sure that their paycheck arrives on the first and 15th. So I, I think making sure that you surround yourself with people that um, can challenge you, but also be aware of your blind spots and fill those blind spots is really, really important. And then as you're building that team, you know, looking at how that team works together, I almost see it as like putting together puzzle pieces, right? Because just hiring talent is not enough if you're not hiring people that can work as a team or that are used to working as a team. Because as you can imagine, and this is whether you're a commercial banker hiring a team or whether you're an entrepreneur, if you're not building a cohesive group that can work as one, it's, it's gonna be a challenge. Whether that's your culture, whether that's everybody having aligned incentives, um, whether that's the team having each other's backs when things get difficult, all those things become a risk if you're not hiring the right people early on. You mentioned hiring, you know, just because talent, hiring talent doesn't necessarily equate to having a good team. If you had to weight one or the other, talent versus team working together, working well together, how would you, if you had, which one would you lean towards? You know, that's, that's an interesting question. And I will tell you that, um, and this is probably because of my background, I would say team. And, and the reason for, for me, I've, growing up in the military, I always felt like if you just gave me a hardworking individual that was willing to learn, intellectually curious, I could figure out how to motivate them and how to challenge them and how to build them into something. And so I was always very confident in my team building expertise, right? And so I know that you can take a group that's maybe not the most talented, but we'll outwork everybody, right? If, if I can outwork you and I can out hustle you and I can work as a team so that again, one plus one is not two, one plus one becomes four, then I like our, I like our odds in that situation. So I would take team oriented over talent probably most days. Well, and that, that used to tell the bankers that work for me, I can teach you the banking. I mean, I, I, can, I can teach you how to fill out the forms. I can teach you how to, you know, how to look at things. I can't teach customer service easily. I can't teach that, you know, get off your duff and go talk to our customers. <laughs> um, I can, but it's easier to teach lending than it is to take, teach that. I was, I was interested, given your background, I was interested to think, see how you viewed it. Yeah, no, work, work ethic and perseverance aren't something you can go learn in a classroom. Um, it, it's, it's different. You know, I, like you said, I can teach you investment banking. I can teach you finance, but I can't create work ethic or trust or integrity, or perseverance, or any of those attributes that you look for, you know, in a really solid employee. You had another point that I thought was really good, and I, I got to admit, I never really thought of it in this angle, but so I wanted to ask you about it. You said, have everyone in your first 10 hires, have everyone meet and assess a new hire. People need to feel like they are responsible for the culture. You go a little bit, bit deeper with that. I love that. I love that idea. 
You know, it's it, it's something in practice is actually really hard, right? Because a lot mm -hmm. of times when you're you're busy and you're trying to hire and you might be hiring to feel like to, to basically try to address an immediate fire. So time is not always on your side. But what I meant by that is that every person on the team should have a perspective on a new hire, right? Because it's, it's all about right. the culture and fit is so important, especially when you're a small team, sub 10 people, every single hire is critical because one bad hire takes up so much time and so much energy from the entire team, not just the CEO or the president of the company, but from the entire team that you can't afford to be wrong. And so I think just getting that input from every team member, even if it's a junior person, have that person meet with the person just to get to know them, just to understand their background and what they're about and what their motivations are. Because if you can avoid making a bad hire in your first 10 people, that's, that's huge. That's huge. Absolutely. I, I, fine, the final thing I wanted to bring up with you, and, I, and whenever I had these conversations uh, with, with, with thought leaders and people that you know, do this type of uh, culture and have this type of culture in their business, they always say this, and I, I, I always push, not push them, but I always ask more about it because I think, it's, I think this is where we fall on our face a good bit. Set people up for success early. Winning becomes a habit. Give them early success and they will continue to seek it. I, I think we missed the ball there a good bit in that area. But uh, from your background and with your resume and your history, speak about that. You know, generally speaking, I, I think people come into a new company and they want to win, right? They want to be successful. They want to please their boss. They want to do right by the business. Like, I don't think anybody comes into a company not wanting to perform well. Right. But it happens all the time. And I think, you know, number one, it starts with properly setting expectations of what's expected, right? Help people understand what the bar is and what it means to be successful. But then it's setting conditions for them to be successful. And what I mean by that is, you know, you can't assign people things that they have no clue how to, how to do. And then when they perform poorly, you're upset about it. Right, you gotta make sure that they're, they're trained, they understand the expectations, they understand the task at hand, and then enable them to be successful. And the last thing that you mentioned about finding success early, I do think it's a habit. And so I try to look for opportunities to create or help them find small wins very early in the journey, right? So when they come on board, set them up for, the, for a win, set them up to, look good in front of their boss, set them up for a situation where they're able to do something for the team or contribute something to the team. Because I think what happens is people taste that success and then they're like, it's like a drug, right? They just want more of it and they're gonna work harder to go achieve it. And so I think if you can only get people off to a good path early, you can start to basically create those good habits and that will to go find success, you know, wherever they can in the organization. And so I think it's, it's just a mindset. And I think as a leader, it's something that you have to focus on. And like I said, it's hard, right? Especially early on when as a leader, you're tactically focused or you're strategically focused on the business. You have to set aside that time to make sure that people below you are set up to win. And if you do that, you're only multiplying the productivity of the whole team and ultimately increasing the odds of your business being successful. Good deal. Yeah, I love that. I love that. 
Well, Joe, I could talk about this all day with you, but I know your schedule's crazy and mine's getting getting that way today. <laughs> all these deans on the phone here. Um, but man, I really appreciate uh, you coming on and talking with us. I'm looking forward to uh, to having you back on some on some things because I'd love to just pick your brain on dang near everything. But uh, before I go, tell everybody, remind everybody how uh, they can find out more about Collateral Edge, learn more about, follow you, get in touch with you, all that. Yeah. So for your audience, uh, again, whether it's, you know, them looking to build a business or it's a banker looking to solve a problem, you can find us at collateraledge.com. You can find us at Collateral Edge on LinkedIn, also on Twitter. And then personally, you can find me at Joe Beard Dallas if you search me on LinkedIn and Joe Beard 214 on all other social media platforms. Good deal. I will have all those links uh, in the in the show notes as well. So don't wreck your car, but we'll um, we will definitely have those out there. Joe, I appreciate your time. I'll, uh, I can't wait to have you back. And uh, thank you again for, for all that you're doing and taking the time to speak with us today. Thank you much. I really appreciate it. Well, that wraps up our episode for today. Thank you for listening. If you haven't already, go ahead and subscribe to the podcast so you won't miss out on the latest episode. We'd also appreciate a five-star rating as well, as that will help get the content out to more listeners. We appreciate ICBA Securities for their sponsorship, and if you would like to know more about quality investment products, services, and education at competitive prices, check out their website at icbasecurities.com. And finally, if you don't follow Barrett on our social media platforms, be sure to check us out on LinkedIn, Twitter, and Facebook to stay up to date with all the cool new things that we've got coming up. And as always, from Memphis, Tennessee, the home of banking, blues, and barbecue, thanks again for tuning in, and we hope you have a great day.